0: Welcome to YG2K News. I'm Bo Tannison-Bennett. The WGA has now been striking for a third of 2023. Most news is still under the media blackout, a subject itself we will discuss in a minute. The most we can say on the Guild's front at the moment is that they have not reported talks breaking down. This means negotiations, while complicated as always, are continuing forward. SAG-AFTRA still has not been contacted by the studios for their own negotiations. Two weeks ago, the AMPTP broke their media blackout request to directly share negotiations with the public. This was done without the WGA's knowledge. The next day, members were sent an email, available on the website now, detailing their experience with AMPTP negotiations. One claim in the email is uh, that upon entering meetings, WGA leaders were lectured about not accepting their first offer and continuing to hold out for all demands. In response, they shared their grievances and left. This was an obvious attempt to get the Guild to cave to studio wants and sow discourse in the public. Writers came to social media to discuss the subpar offers and to the, all the loopholes that would give studios the same overreaching power they currently have. For more information, this email and others giving more detailed accounts are available on the Union website. The AMPTP has hired a crisis PR firm to help with their failing image. Writers uh, took to social media to criticize the move, instead of uh, using the money to pay the firm to just pay the writers. This PR group is led by Molly Levinson, a previously pro-labor professional. This has uh, led to an increase in negative attention that only confirms the AMPTP has lost the public court of opinion. Several puff pieces that have come out since this group was hired, attempting to make writers and actors look unreasonable or like they agree with the AMPTP. These articles have garnered a great amount of pushback for attempting to get people to overlook obvious propaganda. The video game division of SAG-AFTRA has now authorized voice actors and mocap performers to join the strike against major game studios. They are seeking the same pay raises and protections from AI manipulation that other divisions are. Some talks have led to speculation that specific studios will break from the herd to sign interim agreements with the unions. This doesn't come as a surprise, considering the fall lineups that have been pushed back due to the strikes. In other strike news, members of the United Auto Workers voted to strike, with a 97% of members that voting YES! Hotel workers have also called for a convention boycott in California, as their strike continues and only grows stronger. Disney VFX workers have officially filed to unionize with the National Labor Relations Board. And finally, UPS Teamsters got their 35% pay raise, as well as other amenities set to their contracts. New polls are showing that 70% of citizens are supporting the new strike movement, which is not surprising considering what affects these industries is affecting all working people. Once again, for all guidelines, rules, or questions, please visit the WGA and SAG-AFTRA websites. These are the first and foremost places for accurate and up-to-date news. With YG2K News, I'm Beau Tamison-Bennett, signing off. Up next, a roundtable discussion of the 1999 adaptation of Sheridan Fanu's novel Carmilla. Trigger warning for discussion of toxic and abusive relationships, sexual content, and fantasy violence. Before we start today, a moment of silence for our lost legend. Rest in peace, James Buffett. I hope you find your lost shaker of salt in the Margaritaville beyond.
1: It's always five o'clock. He will be missed.
0: He will be very missed. Anyways, this is You Got to Know. (laughs) I'm Beau. I'm Rat. And I'm the unknowable (laughs) guest. And today we are talking about a Sapphic cult classic. Oh yeah, that deserves so much more love. Cause we today we are going to talk about Carmilla, nineteen ninety nine. God,
2: I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like I watched it, but it's just it's it's been lingering in the back of my mind. It it's
0: like. It it haunts me. It haunts me in a way no other movie does. I feel so personally victimized by this movie.
1: <laughs> well, of course you would. Yeah.
0: Listen, mother.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, you did show me the, the like the show Carmilla first. Yeah. And then, of course, obviously, this was the next step. Even though I, it was basically like watching something completely new because we like we watched the show Carmilla and then I completely forgot everything I don't even know if we finished it okay
0: but also the Carmilla web show is to the book oh what's a good example it is to the book what no that's not a good example I'm at a loss for a decent example actually love that for you
2: so, you know something that's been haunting me since I saw this movie, but, like, I, I just, there's no good way to not talk about it, but something about this movie, the vibe of this movie. I am a fan of the actor Ian Glenn, and he mm-hmm. has been in enough, and not to say that this movie was, like, a shitty made-for-TV no thing. it was not but he has been in enough of these like weird foggy period made for tv movies that as i was watching this i kept i just thought kept expecting him to pop up he would have been oh like, my god yeah he would have been in his twink phase at this point in time <laughs> um before he uh hit like grizzled daddy he was just a twink for a really long time Uh, Very important era. It was kind of an overnight switch from what I've seen. (laughs) But anyway, he would have been in his Twink era, but I just keep seeing him in his grizzled Daddy era as, (laughs) like, any of the main male characters. Though I think Twink Ian Glenn would have had a place in this. It's just been haunting me. Like,
0: Yeah. God, he would have been great in this.
2: He's just, he, it's, it's his jam. It is so, he would have been so good.
0: I was haunted
1: by uh, the Hugh Laurie in here because I, one of the only shows that I watched on TV consistently when we actually had cable in high school was. So that's what this man looks like to me. This is literally just. He's not Hugh Laurie to me. He's. It's just like. Sir, what are you doing here? Yes. Shouldn't you
2: be in a hospital? Medical crimes. I love the medical crimes show.
0: Uh, But yeah, for for our international viewers, uh, this was Hugh Laurie's. I believe one of his first forays into American film. Uh, he was also doing. Uh, he was the dad in that, and all I'm gonna say is um. Him going from comedy to drama, I know I don't know if you guys know, but uh most like British listeners would probably know him from I believe it's Jeeves and Brewster. I think that's what it's called, which is a comedy series where he plays this rich smuck with uh his oh no Jeeves and Wooster, not Jeeves and Brewster. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's an Animal Crossing character.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. uh, It was him and Stephen Fry.
2: (laughs) His accent, his Hmm. American accent is so good. And because, again, I mostly just see him as house, it's still really weird for me to hear his Mm -hmm, actual mm -hmm. accent.
0: Yeah, because with British actors, nine out of ten times, and even that is like not a good representation, like most of the time. I can easily clock them. Their accents are too, like, generic. There is not enough regional, like, there's nothing regional to the way they talk. It's just this very blank American accent. Except Hugh Laurie. (laughs) Also Hugh Dancy. Those are the only two British actors that have... No, Charlie Cox, too. Those are the only British actors who have genuinely convinced me they were American.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's just some... The way they... Their inflections and the way that they talk is just so, they get it
0: right. Like, Hugh Laurie, for the longest time, I 110% believed that he was, like, from the West Coast. He genuinely fooled me into thinking he was uh, a West Coast guy. <laughs> if I still feel so weird watching him in anything where he has an accent.
1: He's learned to impersonate us. <laughs>
0: A little too good but yeah uh he plays in carmilla the unnamed father of laura just some guy oh it could be (laughs) yeah (laughs) doctor is a time traveler confirmed who's laura you might ask it's claire (laughs) danes (laughs) the icon the star she is everything
1: (laughs) i don't know who she is neither
0: do
2: i I mean, I know the name, but like, I uh, could not place what she has been. Yeah. In.
1: yeah. I uh, don't even know the name.
0: Rat. Rat, we have literally talked about her so much. She's the one my big sister was obsessed with.
1: Oh, her.
0: She's the one that, yeah, my so called life.
1: It doesn't ring a bell.
0: <laughs> that's the one about the. It's about this teenage girl going through teenage angst. As you. My sister was the same age as the character when it came out. It literally opens with the character dying her hair red as like her first big act of rebellion and self-expression. But anyways, yeah, no, Claire Danes, I am so deeply familiar with her because my big sister was being obsessed with her. My From infancy to the time that she moved away, Uh, when I was probably like seven years old my entire childhood is just like punctuated by Claire Danes there's more of them (laughs) anytime like I can't have a memory of my sister without her giant ass poster of Claire Danes in the (laughs) background she's
1: always there watching
0: waiting (laughs) I would awake to that poster it was
1: that's terrifying that's 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 (laughs) why i never put posters up in my room as a kid like i (laughs) it definitely doesn't help that the first one that was given to me was a spongebob poster and (laughs) his eyes were like eight inches across on the poster
2: and i never put up
1: any posters ever
2: i was an animal poster kind of person and now I'm an unsettling tapestry kind of person. Yeah,
0: Let's go through the rest of the cast before we get into this plot, because it's... it's a mix. It is a mix.
1: Hugh Laurie is the only one that I will recognize.
0: Yeah. Along with you know, Claire Danes as Laura... Laura Claire Danes as Laura, and Hugh Laurie as Laura's father. We also have Val Kilmer, as General Spielsdorf, Billy Zane, as Dr. Spielsberg, and the lesbian icon herself, Natasha Leone features in this as well as Bertha. Beautiful. I love her. My only note is, why didn't you give her a speaking role? She's literally just there to look pretty and die. But she does it so well. She does. Oh... <sighs> Natasha Leon, my beloved, followed up by Emma Thompson, Tamara Tooney, Rat, you know her from She was the, uh, coroner. Oh yeah, that's why she
1: looks familiar. I haven't seen you in so long.
0: Oh yeah, same.
1: This is a very rare moment where I see somebody's face and I haven't explicitly acknowledged their name in the credits of something and I still was able to recognize them from somewhere uh,
0: we also have rounding out the end of the cast uh, with the last supporting roles Pierce Brosnan I believe this was when he was in his I just want to have some <laughs> fun era post James Bond where he plays Vondenberg <laughs> I love Pierce Brosnan
2: his presence in Mamma Mia and his willingness to just go for it Like, I have eternal respect for him and Bill Skarsgård and Colin Firth because of their presence in Mamma Mia and their
0: Mm -hmm. commitment to the bit. There is a movie you might enjoy that he's in that, like, considering it takes place in my favorite fashion era, it breaks my heart because they all look like they belong on the CW, but there's a mermaid movie that he was in where he plays one of the kings of France, the one that established Versailles. The fashion is atrocious, but it's still fun. Love that. Because, yeah, like, I don't remember if that era of his career has started with Mamma Mia. Uh, and he pla- he plays Vandenberg, who is a delight. We'll get into that in the plot. Uh, rounding out the cast, we have Carrie Ann Moss. Many are going to recognize her from the... Another lesbian icon, if you know, you know, our last two icons of the cast, we have Willem Dafoe as the Moravian nobleman. Surprise! Loved that cameo. That was incredible. That was so equivalent to, like, uh, if anyone's watched when Christopher Walken just appears as the Headless Horseman.
1: (laughs) That's just, like, a little bit of a jump
0: scare. Yeah, it's like, that's exactly what it felt like, where it's like, Willem Dafoe? What are you doing to my falafel?
2: See, and I thought of it as, like, the jump scare version of Surprise Matt Damon. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Just, there he is. Yeah. And I've been saving her for last because she is the moment. She is... The reason we are all here today. And that is Mother Herself, Sarah Michelle Geller, playing the iconic Carmilla Karnstein herself. Oh my
1: god. Yet another person who I actually recognized by face. And this was a jump scare. This like w- like we started off with a jump scare. No joke.
2: Between this and cruel intentions, I feel like Sarah Michelle Geller kind of I feel like she should have the reputation that Glenn Close has. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like No, I get exactly what want you mean. Just a terrifying, ice-cold female villain. Sarah Michelle Geller. Like
1: let her be evil. Let her be evil. This is an absolutely chef's kiss kind of role for her to be playing, and we need to see more of it. We, we literally do.
0: I am on my knees. I am begging her, please play more evil femmes. I need to collect myself.
1: As if you ever can. <laughs> I
0: mean, I did just buy a
1: bucket you could keep yourself in.
0: I listen. I am just a lesbian. <laughs> Doing the best I can. Uh, what is- what is- yeah. (laughs) I'm just a lesbian, standing in front of an icon, asking her to play more evil (laughs) femmes. We need this.
2: Fan yourself a little bit. You need, like, a good fan.
0: Please. She just started acting again. I'm pretty sure she's still doing supernatural shows. She has a chance-
1: Larks to charge, reblog to cast. We need to make this happen.
0: Please, please, Miss Geller, please. Like,
2: oh. And see, I saw a TikTok the other day about how something that's probably going to characterize this particular era of film and TV will be like Multiple tropes, but one of them was the sympathetic villain or um, anti hero. I want to see Sarah Michelle Geller as just a stone cold villain when we're coming out of that trend. Because, like, oh yeah. I love villains, I love all manner of villains. But I just, like, or
1: not to, they make them so good.
2: So much of the sympathetic stuff just makes villains not even good anymore. Part of the joy no. is just when they're evil. Like, mm-hmm.
1: Why can't a guy just be evil for no reason? Like, let them... Exactly. It's enrichment. Yeah.
0: Like, Like, I feel like her role in Cruel Intentions, which I don't remember how soon this came out after Carmilla, but... Like I feel like that is the best example of what we need from her, what she can give us. Please, <laughs> please, Sarah. <laughs> let the, the fan the fangirling aside. Let us move on. I say as if there's a single girl in this chat. <laughs> <laughs> so, this movie opens on a scene I adore. Which is uh, a little bit of a tease, but also we're gonna get clarity on this later in a flashback. But you see Va- General Val Kilmer burst into a room. Uh, he's playing General Spielsdorf, and he's bursting into his niece's room, played by Natasha Leone, Bertha. Uh, she is stone cold dead in the bed, covered in blood. Ripperoni. The dude runs to the open window with the billowing curtains.
2: You've got to have some dramatic billowing curtains. Screaming into the night.
1: Night falls. The f- ends.
2: Cut to title. <laughs> billowing curtains and screaming men and and dramatic period
0: costumes. <laughs> My favorite things.
1: The two main food groups.
0: Oh God, the costuming. Okay. Okay, because listen, okay, before we get into the plot, I just have to say this one thing, because there's a dress that Sarah Michelle Gellar wears. Okay, because if we're talking about the fashion, this movie does, like, my favorite thing that some period movies will do, which is 90% of it is just stylized historical fashion. But there is a point where Sarah Michelle Gellar as Carmilla wears that Dior Palladio dress. You know the one I'm talking about because it was the inspiration for uh, Princess Serenity's dress in Sailor Moon. Weeb! Listen, you can call me a weeb all you want. That does not change the fact that they used the dress that inspired Princess Serenity. It's a look. Like... And it's, like, it's one of those dresses where, like, you have to be careful because it could so easily be wearing you. But she wears the f*** out of it. Like, oh my god. She looked amazing.
2: And Like, I can't... Remind me exactly what period Carmilla's supposed to be set in, like, the years?
0: Um, I believe it is set... At least around the year the book was published, which was 1872.
2: Because that whole, like, Grecian trend had a huge comeback in um, the 1800s yeah. at some point. Yeah. My partner oh, yeah, one would was the naturalism. She's... Yeah. Um, but especially, like, that style of dress where it's the really, really high waistline. So, like, I don't think it's. Strictly period, because that Grecian influence was pre-Victorian, but not by much.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That that was, like, way earlier. That was, like, early um, 1800s.
2: Which is also interesting, because that makes the dress just a little bit out of date. Uh Like, if you're, you know, really gonna be strict with inspiration. So it's kind... It's kind of its own Mm -hmm. Easter egg.
0: Yeah, because 1870s, we're going to be looking at, like, bustles.
2: So, yeah, that was fun. And I have a more limited knowledge of, like, that era, but I noticed that when I saw the Grecian influence in that dress, and I was like, hmm, choices. Very good choices.
0: Back to the plot. After a title card, we open on Laura writing in her journal uh, in this Gorgeous garden on the castle grounds of her home. Uh, her father comes to check on her. Technically a mini jump scare. I hate when movies do that. Uh, but whatever. It's Hugh Laurie.
1: Oh, yeah. Those, like, the subtle, like, the, the yeah. peek around the corner. Yeah, like, jump scare. like, like
0: she gets startled, and they do it in a way that kind of startles like, you, too. But it's like, oh, no, it's just that. And it's like, can you. <sighs> Can you save that for later? Anyways, <laughs> jump scare issues aside, because I am firmly anti-jump scare, <laughs> they're chatting. There's a little bit of implication that um, she's having some issues or she has had issues or Laura ends up sort of dismissing this all. Uh, By asking, like, oh, hey, have you heard about your friend who's coming to visit with his niece so I can finally have a friend because she's isolated and alone at all times? (laughs) Hey, Uh, when are you
1: going to get me some, like, social interaction, dad? Yeah.
0: She needs enrichment. She's
2: improperly socialized, (laughs) and if she's around her peers, she will begin humping to establish (laughs) dominance.
0: You are more right than you realize. So <laughs> oh, no.
2: <laughs> you know, I think I was just riffing, but yeah,
0: I think I'm right. Is that not just the theme of what this movie, this poor girl has been so isolated her whole life that the first girl she sees,
1: instantly <laughs> She is the unsocialized dog. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. That poor girl. Uh, Take her to the... F- park. <laughs> Twitch her father Um, has to break the news of, oh yeah, no, she's dead. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. Bye-bye. She got a fever. She's dead. Let's try again. Like, what the <laughs> f***, dude? <laughs> anyway, have fun with that hysteria. It's like, are you kidding me? That is like the worst way to break the news to your
1: child. It really is. It's like, hey, when am I going to get to see this person? Never.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> he's like, she's dead move on
2: he's like the, find another one the dad he's like the dad version of the cool mom yeah he doesn't yeah. want to be a dad he wants to be her friend yes yeah. oh, oh my, my god. god and like it's i haven't i can't remember when i've seen that played
0: like it's the dad that just wants to be the friend i cut to that evening uh she's talking with madame Perodon. um proden on. I don't know how to say it. Either way.
1: literally heard them say it and we still have no idea how to say it. Like, how do they do that with their mouth? I don't know.
0: She is uh, played by Tamara Tooney. Iconic. She is one of Laura's two governesses. Um, And they're having this sort of chat as Laura's getting ready for bed. Um, And they're having this very sweet maternal moment, um, which also, um is a little sad when you remember the fact that her mother died in childbirth. <laughs> so hmm. Madame Perodin per- and La Fontaine are literally the only like maternal figures in her life.
1: This girl really needs some f- <laughs> enrichment. like take her to the park, please, just let her go out and play with the other teenage girls for the love of God. yeah,
0: because there's literally a village like down the road. But they're they're rich. They're nobles. Whatever. Too good for them, I guess. Just stay
1: in the yard and park for hours, because she's bored. <laughs> yeah.
2: She's going to start chewing on the furniture at some point. She will. Like,
0: I feel that in my soul. Oh my god.
1: That's just a teenager thing to do, though. Like, yeah. sometimes teenagers should just be allowed to chew on the leg of the couch. Yeah. Like, they deserve it. Yeah.
0: She should be allowed to go feral for a while. As a treat. Yeah. I mean, she basically already is. Uh, so, as they're talking, and there's this sort of implication of, like, everyone's handling Laurel with kid gloves, like, Madame Perodin. Perraud- I'm going to learn how to say her name eventually. Uh... Is sort of checking in on her in this way of like, hey, you still, like, manically hysterical? You good? Do we need to get the doctor? Should we start bleeding you a little to help with that? How are your dreams? I have female
1: hysteria? Are you good?
0: (laughs) Is that womb still wandering?
1: Get the girl some, like, a jar full of bees. Yeah. Yeah. Get the girl a jar full of bees for enrichment. Which comes in the form of Carmilla,
0: uh, because there is immediately a carriage crash outside.
1: Woohoo! Enrichment!
0: convenient Uh, the jarful of bees delivery
1: has arrived
0: yeah to which of course laura's not gonna listen to the menfolk, and she runs out in her nightgown to see them uh recover from the accident two women uh one who is like losing (laughs) it's like no this can't happen we were supposed to go this is of urgency we can't be stuck here Um, The other is just, like, out cold. Rip. Um, And as they bring her in, Laura gets to see Carmilla for the first time. Now, when she sees her, uh, we get the first of many flashbacks to which she remembers seeing Carmilla before. Because... All of those dreams they keep bringing up that she's had throughout the entirety of her life every few years is of seeing Carmilla standing in her bedroom, watching her sleep.
1: Now that's enrichment.
2: <laughs> hmm, hope this doesn't awaken uh, anything in me.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, so, I've
1: already been awakened.
0: Yeah, so we get Carmilla's mother. She is... Freaking out because oh my god this is ruining everything. Her daughter is injured, but she has this important traveling to do. She can't be you know, like weighed down by an injured child, can she? Please stay here with this super trustworthy stranger who she's never seen in her life before. It's fine. Wink, wink. Hey, watch this kid for me. And nothing can go wrong. Oh no! And nothing went wrong. So Carmilla has a quote unquote, "broken leg and has hit her head. So she only gets a glimpse of Laura um, but is like already kind of attached to her. Uh, by the time they actually like see each other and get to talk, um, Carmilla's mother is like nowhere to be seen. She has left her daughter with these strangers. She's given them money and basically, I watch my kid. Eventually Carmilla wakes up. Uh, And when she does, she and Laura are the only ones there. Laura's attending to her and, you know, making sure she's comfortable and everything. To which she asks her, am I dreaming? Mm Mm-hmm. Really confusing to Laura. Um, To which she then says, I've seen you before. Turns out these girls have been having shared dreams, quote unquote, supposedly. That
1: sounds incredibly
0: gay. Laura has these dreams of seeing Carmilla, like, standing in the corner watching her. But Carmilla has been having dreams of a girl she's never seen before sleeping in her bed. It sounds pretty gay to me. I don't know. <laughs> Everything's pretty normal to start, you know? This girl's broken her leg. She hit her head. She, uh, is, like, recovering So, she spends most of her days asleep, but also, a little note, is that she's the only one who doesn't pray before meals. So...
2: She's just, she's a weird (sighs) foreigner. I'm sure it's like a thing in her totally existing Mm -hmm. denomination of Christianity. It's fine.
0: Yeah, it's totally normal. It's totally just her own little quirks. Uh. And this goes on for a few days, and we get to see the girls slowly start to grow closer. Now, this leads up to uh, what I can only call the fireplace scene. And anyone who's seen this, you immediately know what I'm talking about. Uh, oh my god (laughs) so
1: yeah this is the kind of thing that is this is this is somebody's origin story yeah because
0: this is this is one of those scenes where like if you were in that theater in april 1999 when this movie came out i have a feeling something awoken with you (laughs) because we get carmilla's first explicitly romantic advance to laura uh, in which Laura is reading to her. They've managed to move her and her still splinted leg onto the floor so that the girls can just chill and hang out by the fire on a cold night. And um, yeah, Laura has the yeah Laura has the gay panic we all would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if. <laughs> Lisbonab. I the listen I if Sarah Michelle Geller looked at me that way, I would simply die mm-hmm.
1: and it's so gay you can just see it in her eyes for a second she's just lesbian
0: yeah yeah ah, like <laughs> homosexuality oh my God i I need a minute i I' <laughs>
2: How long did it take you to watch
0: this movie the first so time? So long! Listen, I have had a crush on Sarah Michelle Gellar since she was <laughs> so...
2: I, that's why I asked.
0: <laughs> this is followed by, you know, of course, sickness reaches the village down the way and oh, isn't that so sad? Oh, well. Um, it's just the pores. Yeah, who cares? It's not like it's gonna affect us. Hmm... <coughs> <laughs> Later on, as Carmilla is a late sleeper, Laura has to entertain herself. So she does that the way that she always does, writing in her diary and going through the library. As she is, she finds a historical book of the area um, in which she ends up reading about the Karnsteins. There is a portrait in this book of someone called Mirkala Karnstein. Who is 200 years dead.
1: Oh no. Oh no.
0: Yeah. So she runs excitedly to the bedroom that is entirely blacked out uh, to find Carmilla waking up and shows her excitedly this portrait of Mirkala, who looks fairly identical to Carmilla.
1: This is. Don't worry yeah, about it. This is. Nothing bad ever happens to the Kennedys.
0: Uh, hmm. We get to see a new side of Carmilla in this part because she is weirdly cold to Laura. In which she confirms after some probing that yeah, she is uh descended from the Karnsteins. And this is the first time that Carmilla has ever divulged something about herself. She knows all about Laura, but hasn't told Laura. Laura is immediately smitten upon getting some kind of information out of her.
2: I'm fixing her.
1: Yeah. Wow, she must like me. She told me one thing about herself. Wait. Horse girl moment. It's a horse girl moment. She's having a horse girl moment. (laughs) She's having a horse girl moment with Carmilla. Carmilla finally ate a sugar cube out of her hand, and now they're going to go win the big race.
0: (laughs) That is such a good description. Uh, As you were saying. Yeah. So this is followed by um, what some have dubbed the bedroom scene, in which Carmilla comes to Laura at night, complaining that she's having nightmares. Of course, you know, Laura assumes, oh, this is our weird shared dream thing again. You're seeing the cat too. Come into my room, into my bed. Things get, um... Get in my bed, girl! Th- things, things get... Th- th- they kiss. <laughs> they straight up kiss.
1: <laughs> so gay. It is unbelievably gay.
0: This... Oh, there is no heterosexual explanation for any of this. No. Not at all.
1: There is, however, a very homosexual explanation for
0: this. Oh, extremely... Uh, of course, you know, they fall asleep afterwards in each other's arms. It's totally bestie time. It's a totally not gay, friendly, friendly kiss, you know? Such besties. <laughs> uh,
1: immediate... This is not a kiss between two gal pals, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. In which, of course, then Laura has to have another nightmare of Carmilla jumping out the window! <laughs> Yeet. <laughs> yeet the lesbian
2: you think that by being a lesbian you'll avoid that awkward moment when your hookup just decides to fling themselves out of the window to avoid having a conversation <laughs> with you
0: but uh oh nope. yeah that that's one way to avoid the awkward morning after talk yep <laughs>
1: To be fair I have I have met some women who talking to them made me want to jump out of a window to escape the fluster so like that's I kind of get it
0: that's true yeah listen li- like sit- oh yeah there are some times where it's like I stop perceiving me please I don't know how to cope.
1: Sometimes you just gotta throw yourself out the window because you don't know how to end a conversation.
0: Exactly. Next day, Laura, of course, wakes up before Carmilla. She's fine. She's there. They're still asleep in each other's arms. Everything is totally normal. It's normal. So normal. We are so normal. And Laura's father's friend finally arrives Without his dead niece. Um, And that is the general who we saw in the beginning, Val Kilmer. And he is drunk as a skunk. He is belligerent. And he claims that, um, no, his niece did not die of a fever. She was murdered. Murder. If she is, he says this in front of Laura. uh, And her father is very, like, freaked. Right. It kind of implying to me that he's the one that made up the fever excuse, considering like the general has no qualms about just outright saying, no, she was murdered. And this is when we get our next set of flashbacks, there's a lot of flashbacks in this movie. <laughs> But I also love it because they're those fun stylized, like choppy slow motion, everything's a little fuzzy, there's Vaseline on the camera lens, sort of cameo or not cameo.
2: Look, that's how all my memories look anyway, so I totally buy that.
0: Yeah. I people complain about the choppy slow-mo. I enjoy it. Yeah. I like that way better. It gets the vibe across. Like, does that not perfectly describe what it's like dissociating during a flashback?
1: It really, like, yeah, they captured, it's like when somebody manages to accurately capture what it looks like to take your glasses off. It's like, you don't realize how inaccurate the other, like, depictions of it are. Like, the whole, oh, how many fingers am I holding up thing that people do? Because they don't know what it looks like. And then you see it actually depicted correctly, and you're like, see? See? Look! See, that's how it is. It's it's like one of those things. They manage to like get the vibes just right, the right filters, the right audio, all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So we get the flashback. We're at a costume ball. This is like an 1870s costume ball. Everything is like gorgeous and lush and exciting. And of course, we see General Val Kilmer with Bertha. Uh, his niece, who has a love at first sight connection with this other girl called Kristen Calamar. And she and Kristen, which for reference, we only ever see Kristen in a mask or from behind. We never actually see her face. But the two of them, like, immediately do not leave each other's side. They are on each other 24-7. And during the ball, to, like, Laura and her father, the general explains that um, during this time as the girls are getting along, he is approached by Kristen's mother, who is able to convince him in his drunken state that they're actually old friends who haven't seen each other in a really long time.
2: Gaslight gatekeep girl With us. this.
0: <laughs> is that not just, like, the theme of Carmilla? Basically? I
1: mean, the web show and the movie, it was all just Gaslight, Gatekeep, girl boss.
0: Heavy on the
2: gaslight. Oh
0: my god. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, I haven't shown you the Carmilla movie, have I? The, um, the web show movie. They did a sequel movie.
1: I don't think I've seen that one either, which is funny because you make me watch all the vampires. <laughs> with you.
0: So... You know, uh, Carmilla's mother convinces the general that their old friends, Gaslight Gatekeep girl boss, uh, and asks if he could take in her daughter because, um, she's very poorly, she's very sickly, and she's not faring well on their travels, and she thinks it would be better for her to recover with Bertha, who brings such a light to her, uh, So of course he does, because he's just so good. He's so nice. He's just a nice guy. I feel like that's the only way to explain the general.
1: (laughs) He's just a nice guy. Not a nice (coughs) guy TM, but like a different kind of nice guy.
0: He's sure is a guy. Uh... (laughs) Certainly one of the
1: most guys ever.
0: I mean, I feel like that is the best way to describe Val Kilmer. Oh, guy! Like, like I look at Val Kilmer and I just think that's that's just a guy. He is so guy. Freshly plucked Val Kilmer. He is like, I picture a man. You're probably picturing Val Kilmer. Behold a
1: man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, as this whole story is going on, uh. Carmilla does end up coming down, and as soon as the general sees her, he flips, and he calls her Kristen. Of course, Laura and her father have no idea what the f*** is going on, and just think he's drunk, and that Carmilla must look kinda like this girl who disappeared as soon as Bertha died. That's kinda how they play it. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's like, okay, let's, let's all just chill. Let's get some dinner. Let's get some food in the sky. Let's help him sober up. And they go to dinner. Throughout all of this, you know, they explained like, Oh, you know, I'm so sorry, Carmilla, his niece just died. He's in a bad place. And she seems sincere. Um, when, you know. Give, you know, paying her condolences and talking to the general about it, but it very much kind of feels mm-hmm. as sincere as that mean girl who just realized someone's autistic. I, that's pretty accurate to me. That is the only way I can describe it. If you know, you know. It's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. After dinner, you know, the girls get dismissed away because they're still quote-unquote children, whatever. Uh... And as they're being dismissed, the general's actually like, no, they're old enough. Let them join us for, you know, a nightcap and talking, you know? They're growing girls, they're young women. It's deeply uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> they're big girls, they can handle it.
0: Yeah, so Laura's father ends up, you know, relenting. And decides, okay, you can join us in the, uh, what's that, what are the rooms called? They have so many rooms, not the sitting room. The parlor? Yeah, in the parlor for a nightcap, and Laura gets to have her first taste, first taste of scotch. I believe time period-wise, she might have already been having alcohol by now. She would have had wine, I think.
1: They probably would have, like, at least- had her have some to help with the female hysteria or something.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Speaking of wine, there is a very delightful um, Easter egg reference in here if you've seen any Dracula adaptations, um, where the general offers Carmilla a drink after Laura gets hers and she says that she doesn't drink scotch. And the way that it's played is very referential to the line, I don't drink wine from Dracula, uh, which is the sort of tongue-in-cheek thing of, no, but she drinks blood.
1: Yeah, that was just like, oh, so that's what we're doing here.
0: Yeah. Mean girl.
1: (laughs) It was like Dracula, but a mean girl. That's just what it was.
2: I mean, what is Carmilla but just the period uh, vampire version of that friendship that's like way too intense and sapphic mm-hmm. with the girl who becomes the main girl. Mm-hmm.
0: So the general goes on to finish his story. We finish the flashback, uh, and we see Kristen uh, from behind crawling up the bed over a half-asleep bertha and leaning down to drink blood from her breast in the same place where we see on laura's chest she has those two little spots pop up
1: oh she's been sucking titties
0: (laughs) (laughs) that i love that they kept like the old-school vampire thing, because in old-school vampire lore, they didn't just drink any blood, they drank blood from your heart. So, like, vampires were sucking titties. Titty
1: blood! Titty the blood. best kind.
0: Titty blood!
1: they blood! Titty blood! Titty blood! Titty <laughs> blood! Titty blood.
0: Uh, of course, that's when we get to see the entirety of the opening scene, in which um, General Val Kilmer bursts into the room, and we see what we didn't see before which is him seeing carmilla on top of his niece um, drinking her blood and she flies off her and out the window and it ends seeing the general cradling the now dead body of Bertha, who is like open eye glassy, staring out the window, straight at the camera. That's just what got her titties sucked
1: real good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that listen, I K- Carmilla, lesbian icon. I feel like that would just be the natural reaction to any experience with her.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: like centuries old lesbian vampire, thank you very much. <laughs> After um this harrowing story from the general, um, finally Carmilla is showing something other than mean girl politeness, in which she's like seems very disturbed by the fact that he would want to get two young women like this that drinking to hear such a disturbing story and immediately takes Laura up to bed. Uh, in which she cares for her and is very attentive because she's a little tipsy she's a little, a little tipsy you know. a little soft i like to believe yeah.
2: that her dad is a general and that's why he's just not helping with his daughter
0: at all <laughs> forbidden love affair okay then comes the scene when we see the dior dress which oh all my love to Sailor Moon, but I don't think they can outdo this image, which is um, you know, it's the middle of the night and Laura kind of starts to wake up and she realizes the bed is empty. It's just her. And there's this like low whisper that you hear that gets like louder and you can tell Laura's very off-put. She still might be a little drunk um, and she turns up the lamp by her bed which if you listen closely um to the whispers they are quoting the book from this scene um in which the way that this originally happens is it's kind of implied to be like divine intervention because what the whispering voices are saying is your mother warns you of the assassin. You can't actually understand what they're saying in the movie, though, unless you, like, go fiddle with it. Mm-hmm. And she turns up the lamp and turns to see at the foot of her bed, Carmilla in the that Dior dress, covered in blood. Oh my god. Like, it is all down her front.
1: Ha! That I is would ask sh- if she wanted some more
0: <laughs> mood.
2: Do you want some Kool Aid? You can just suck it off of my dress.
0: Come the morning, Laura wakes up again, and we're to assume this is a dream, I guess. Except Laura is extremely sick now. Of course, they call the doctor, and Dr. Spielsberg arrives. For the uh, vampire thickness. <laughs> in which delightful man Billy Zane gotta love him it's funny I only know this guy from- I genuinely have never seen him in anything else actually no that weird superhero movie mm-hmm. he was in that so anyways Billy Zane Dr. Spielberg arrives Uh, and he's very charming in the way you would expect um which is a little sickening. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Which is also a little disturbing considering as soon as the bedroom doors open, he goes straight face serious, just tells her father, Do not leave this girl unattended. Ever.
1: She's going to get her titties sucked if you leave her unattended.
0: Yeah, because yeah, he sees the mark on her chest when examining her. It's. It's one of those sort of coin flip moments where it's like, oh, it's that it's that dire of a situation. Okay. And Carmilla seems the same off-put she was with the general story, which the general is still staying. Um, and she's just so off-put by how attentive everyone is and insists that she, as a young woman, um, should be taking care of her um and being and this you know madame perdon and mademoiselle uh, lafontaine kind of are on her side with it a bit where they're like yeah you guys are being a bit weird we're going <laughs> to we're going to take care of this maybe give her some space <laughs> um but this does not change the fact that the doctor becomes suspicious of Carmilla and they get their first moment alone As the men folk are all talking. Uh, And Carmilla suddenly asks Laura, who is, you know, suddenly very sick, to run away with her. It's very out of the blue. She's like, Laura's sitting on the bed, and Carmilla is like on her knees in front of her, just begging her, like, no, we can just go. We can just run. It's just a
1: surprise homosexual throat punch. Yeah.
0: She has got a U-Haul, and she's ready to (laughs) move.
1: She's hauling you out with her.
0: Yeah. And in this, begging her to leave with her, confesses that she is Mirkala Karnstein, not descended from her, and offers Laura eternal life with her.
1: Let me suck your titties, girl. We can be together forever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. To which, of course, Laura admits that she's always suspected and explicitly calls Carmilla a vampire. This is the first time that we explicitly even hear that word in this movie.
1: I know what you are. Say it.
0: (laughs) Oh, so, of course, you know, Carmilla's like, you know, I, I can... That change You uh, tells her story of how she was changed and how she ended up in this, like, enemies till the end uh, fight with a Moravian nobleman who swore that he was going to rid the countryside of her and her kind. And in the flashback, we get the Willem Dafoe cameo. Surprise!
1: It's a jump scare.
0: Yeah. So, like, I cannot express how much I adore the fact that we get a flashback, hyper-stylized fight scene between Willem Dafoe and Sarah Michelle Gellar in historical fashion, no less. Like, she is corseted. I
1: haven't had a moment like this since there was a sword fight in a Professor Layton game I played in middle school.
0: Iconic. It's oh Sarah Michelle Geller does action so well. She is so good. This was what was preparing her for. Oh yeah. So yeah, of course then we get you know, we cut to um the men bursting in. We assume before Carmilla can actually turn Laura and we see Fondenberg played by Pierce Brosnan. Um, who we later learn is the descendant of this nobleman who swore to eradicate Carmilla and her kind. Um, And he just comes in guns blazing, attacking Carmilla, who, of course, flies out the window again. (laughs) He does not have time for pleasantries. Nope. Why be polite when you can be homophobic?
2: James Nond is done with British politeness. He just,
0: it's time for him to murder. <laughs> Aren't you tired of being nice? Don't you want to go ape?
1: Oh boy, does he.
0: Yeah, so then we've got, it's very reminiscent of like, very much in the vein of like the gang saving Mina and Dracula. They soothe this woman just like no it's okay you don't have to fear anymore we've driven away the big scary vampire and it's like bruh i was about to get eternal life bruh i was gonna go
1: have a lesbian eternity with a hot vampire yeah
0: (sighs) and she's forced to stay with her governesses uh as the men folk go and slay the monster ooh lame it's and this scene is also very, like, uh, the Lucy tomb scenes in Dracula. If you've read it or seen any adaptation, you know, it. they go, it's very, like, Beware the vampire, blah, 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 blah. Um, and as soon as they go in, it's like, okay, bloodbath now, I'm going to kill you all. <laughs> and we get another iconic fight scene. With Sarah Michelle Gellar versus Billy Zane, Hugh Laurie, Val Kilmer, and Pierce Brosnan. Which does end with both the General and Carmilla dying. Except Laura feels the moment the stake goes into Carmilla's chest. Like, we get this intense cutscene between the two of them. Like, we see the stake... Hit Carmilla's chest. We get the close up of her face reacting, immediate cut to Laura with the exact same expression, absolutely losing her th- as her governesses are trying to comfort her. It's very dramatic. We get this like slow mo zoom out from above where you just see the doctor, Laura's father and Vandenberg all recovering from the fight, but the general and Laura are dead. Uh, And Carmilla. Yeah, no, not Laura, Carmilla. Why do I keep getting their names mixed up?
2: I wonder.
0: So next day, uh, everything is like the calm after the storm. No one really knows what to do. And Laura is sleeping in late. Um, she's very exhausted, they were all up very late, and so on and so forth, and the men are just like, oh, she's a fragile woman, it's fine. That female hysteria, am (laughs) I right? And once things are wrapped up and, like, you know, they dispose of the bodies, Laura's father comes to her when she wakes up and asks how she would feel leaving the manor and going to travel around Europe for a while, uh, to visit some of his old friends who have daughters around her age? Which, hey, maybe you should have been doing that from the beginning, man. Eh, it's fine. Your kid's kind of, you know, feral for attention.
1: You have not given this person enough enrichment. She has lost domestication.
0: Yeah. So, of course, she agrees. You know, she wants friends. She just lost her girlfriend. She needs. She needs something. She needs a new gal pal. Uh, yeah. Just gals being pals.
1: Gals being pals. Yeah. She needs somebody else to suck her kitties real good.
0: <laughs> Vandenberg sees them off uh, as they're getting into the carriage. Uh, Laura still kind of seems a little sickly and she's, you know, covered up, keeping out of the sun. Suspicious. Um, as soon as she gets in the carriage, though, she's perking up. She's, you know, very excited and wishes him a goodbye. But then, as soon as her father gets in and isn't paying attention, she stops being so cheerful and is just keeping direct eye contact with Vandenberg until he is is just like a speck in the distance. The implication being that she has been changed, that Carmilla did in fact have time, Mm -hmm. and perhaps that is what all those dreams were... Dr. the real good. Yeah. And in that, she knows that Vandenberg was the one responsible for Carmilla's death because of that like vampiric connection. She knows! End credits. Ugh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> there
1: could totally be a sequel where she just comes back and like him up.
0: Oh yeah. Up. Yeah, like I would I love want... to see oh. that.
1: Like, I want to see a. (laughs) But with this situation.
0: Yes, I want to see. And she would. Yeah, I want to see Laura come into her full vampiric power and. (laughs) Vandenberg for killing her girlfriend. I want
1: to see her go full on. (laughs) This guy's. (laughs) She absolutely will develop the abilities to do so. Also,
2: can I come in with a slightly alternate interpretation something that i was thinking about is when you know the men folk are all attending to uh laura when she gets really sick but the women are kind of saying just let her girlfriend attend to her like it's not it's not that big of a deal we are all women here we can figure it out what that kind of made me think of and the way that carmilla was clearly like not super happy with how attentive the men were being to laura it kind of reminded me of how in abusive relationships the abuser will isolate their victims um and often can do that with the help of the victim's own family and friends
0: oh my god yeah no i see exactly what you mean so
2: like i love the girlfriends and female empowerment angle, I really, like, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what they were going for, it just kind of reminded me of, like, how insidious abusive relationships can be, especially when they're same-sex relationships. Mm -hmm.
0: Looking at it from that angle, like, especially whether you're looking at, like, the original Carmilla, in which, yeah, there's a romantic angle, but it's still, they're just friends... Or you're looking at it as a, like, intimate partner abuse situation. That just, like, is a gut punch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, oh god. Now, especially thinking about the book where it's, like, an explicit friendship. It's, like, especially in those situations, like, same-sex friendships, no one's gonna take that seriously.
2: Yeah, you don't necessarily realize... Yeah.
1: We have a new perspective.
2: That's just what came to me in that specific scene where Carmilla was unhappy about the support Laura was receiving and kind of using the other women in the situation to isolate Laura.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because literally her only family, her only, like, literally her only relationship is with her two governesses, which have that distance. But her only, like, solid, consistent relationship is her father. Because her mother died in childbirth. Mm-hmm. Which her father did not set her up well for that situation either with his own isolation of her. Which is all so circumstantial of, like, how much of that was him thinking he was protecting her, how much of that was him, like, being manipulative himself, how much of that was just class related, because they are nobles, and there is a village nearby, which, like we said before, you know, illness came to that village, and girls there started to die. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. It's got layers, man. I love that.
1: Have layer, like onion. Like
2: onion. My first (laughs) thought was that, uh, and Okay, this is mostly my opinion, but in my opinion, objectively, Mm -hmm. has the best interpretation of vampire fangs because they are retractable. Uh, And let me just say, non-retractable fangs Mm -hmm. and sapphic sex would not be fun. Like, that's why it's gotta be titty action only. Yeah. Yeah. Unless she's got those (laughs) vampire fangs? uh
0: Uh-uh god yeah oh my god i love this movie i honestly have not watched much carmilla adaptations outside of the web show but this just like it's got a heart.
1: very <laughs> different like flavor than the web show does the web show was like mm-hmm. a thing we watched during like a yeah. sleepover or something and this is definitely like a sit down shut mm-hmm. up we watching a vampire movie kind of thing
0: Yes, this is like quintessential '90s vampires. It's, these
2: things could not; these two things could not be more different. Ugh. But honestly, now I just want to watch it again.
0: Oh my god, yeah. Oh, I still have to watch the rest of those movies. I've only seen the first two. I
2: have a soft spot for the third one. I have not seen any besides the first three.
0: Yeah.
1: Movie night suggestion. Thank you for listening to You Got to Know. Be sure to share with your friends and family. Woo.